Hey, hey, this is Takara, and you are listening to A Letter to My Sister podcast. You are in the right place if you are raised to be a strong, independent woman who didn't have to depend on anybody for anything, but then you realize there were some lessons that you didn't quite get as you were going along the way. We often go through life the best way that we know how, and we don't even realize that there's a better way. So in here, there will be some raw and real conversations surrounding life lessons about the things that we wish that we had known, maybe about self, love, money, and even our careers. So if you're new here, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and I would love for you to leave a rating and review as well. So now that we've got all that out the way, let's chat, sis. Hey sis, guess what we are talking about today? If you were here last week and a week before, then you already know we are talking about self, your unique and authentic self. One of the things that I wish was talked about a little bit more was our mindset because our mindset is the thing that determines basically everything. It determines everything else how we think about ourselves, how our day is going to go. It all revolves around mindset. So I bought my friend Mylene with me today, who is a mindset coach, and she is going to talk to us about the importance of mindset. So listen up. Mylene, welcome to A Letter to My Sister podcast. I am so glad that you are here today so we can talk about all things mindset. I know that you like to journal and I like to journal as well. And with you being the journaling person that you are, I know sometimes when I journal, it gives me, it gives me clarity, but I I feel like when I journal, I have the nerve to say things that I probably wouldn't say out of my own mouth. I don't know if that's your Mm -hmm. experience. I know that's certainly my experience, Um, but I'm wondering how journaling did that kind of play a part in your mindset work that you do now? Yeah, I think one of the things about mindset is like every other thing, mindset tends to be the last thing we think about. Unfortunately, mindset is the last thing we think about because when you think about maybe a part of you that you have aches or pains or something, you can act on that. Unfortunately, mind or your mindset doesn't have feelings. You just start to act. And so for me, journaling was a place for me to put all of the things that are going on in my head. You know, I think we all have been there where we feel overwhelmed. We feel like there's so many things that we have to um, manage and work through. And journaling helps me kind of compartmentalize those things. Like, what do I need to do, right, in order to move to the next thing and move to the next thing instead of getting stuck or getting in a place of overwhelm where I don't even know where to go. I don't know where to turn. So journaling for me is a way to to put those things. And one thing I love about journaling too is the ability to go back and, and kind of look and see your growth. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you don't see your physical growth after a certain point in life. You stop seeing the physical growth, but there's a lot of emotional things, emotional growth that needs to happen. And I get to see that in the way I journal like how I talk about things I want to accomplish then versus now. It's, it seems more fairy tale then, and now there's some concrete steps to get things done. 
So that's one thing I love about journaling. And it really helps me to, like I said, put all those thoughts in one spot. Okay. So I have this. So you said, and what I interpreted that to mean is you said, we often think of mindset last. Instantly, what I thought about is we tend to put our attention on whatever is the loudest, whatever is demanding our attention first. That's the thing that we're going towards. So how then do we shift to say, hmm, actually, let me go to the quietest thing because the loudest thing actually is not the priority? Yeah, I mean, that's a great, great thought and a great point. And one thing I want people to hear loudly is your mind is a meeting room for your actions. And so that is the place where all the activity, if you don't get some of those actions out or some of those things that aren't allowed to take up the space in your mind, you can imagine the chaos in your world, the chaos outside of your world, right? Which we know we can't control the external, but if you don't get those people in that room, which is your mind together, you're in for a lot of chaos. So that mindset, like I said, that's where we tend to forget because there's not a whole lot we can see, but that action starts right there with that mindset. I like that line. Your mind is the meeting room for your actions. So from there, what is the first step then that we need to take from this meeting room so that this action can start to take place and that we just don't think about it and dream about it all day, but that faith without works is dead, that we actually do something behind it. Yeah. And so in my program, one of the things that I talk about is this DNA and the DNA is your, you know, your foundation. That's how you are built, you know, on this foundation of DNA. And so the first thing that we need to do, we all need to do this work, this internal work is to dig deep. There are limiting beliefs, their belief systems, whether they're limited or whatever they are, typically limited because it keeps you from, again, being in alignment with what you're called to do. And so it's important for you to, to dig deep and understand not just the root, but who said it, right? Mm. Because oftentimes you're going to find that, was that person a person that was valid? Because here's the thing, our belief systems are comprised of the culture we grew up in, the people we were surrounded with, the friendships we formed, the things we watched, the things we listened to, the things we read, and the list goes on and on. That created our belief systems. So it's important to kind of go back to understand, well, why, why do I think I can't run? Or why do I think I can't lose weight at a certain age in life? Or why do I think I'm stuck in this particular situation. Maybe you heard someone say, well, women at the age of 40, they can't lose weight. So you just programmed that and thought, that's a thought. That's, that's good. That can stay in the meeting room. But you have to understand, where did I hear that? Where is the facts behind that? Because you're going to limit yourself if you just go by what you've always known. It's important to go with what you know, but sometimes what you know is not correct. Mm -hmm. What are the facts? What are the facts? That's good. So dig deep. Dig deep, you said, what is the root and who said it? Ooh, that one is an important one because I feel like that is probably one that could keep a person stuck forever, especially for those who may have gotten what I call the the negative replay from maybe different sources of people like, you you won't amount to anything, you're, you won't do this, you won't do that, or they had this 
big, massive dream. And then someone instantly took them back down to reality and was like, and you think you're going to be able to do that? How? Right. Where? So yeah, I think that's a really, a really good one. So you're saying for someone who has experienced that, they need to, number one, go through the route, figure out who said it. And then is that where they would go to, but what's actually true? Yeah, it's important to understand what's actually true. And and in that, it's so important to redefine things. For me, and I'm just going to be transparent and honest, you know, I remember a time for me saying I'm going to try was a cop out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because there's no commitment in try. There's no commitment in try. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try to show up at your event. I'll try to get this done or do that. I'll try to make sure I work on that today. There's no commitment in try. And it becomes a thing where you have to change some of your language, right? So try becomes do, like I'm going to do this. You you instantly tell your mind and the meeting room is like, you're invited, do is invited, try, gotta go, right? right. So you have to kind of exchange some of the things that you learn. I mean, you, you gotta exchange it. Otherwise you're gonna still be in that that spiral of thinking and that again can keep you back from where it is you want to go because we all have a destination that we're going towards. We might not be going in the same direction, but we are going somewhere. And if we're going to get there and we're going to get there in the time that we wish to get there, and we're going to get there with the accomplishments we wish to get there. And we're going to get there in the ability with the ability to serve the people that we need to serve when we get there. Cause that's our job mm-hmm. is to serve in order to do that, you've got to do some work. And so that digging deep and getting to the root of it and understanding that, okay, now that I kind of know some things, I need to start making some exchanges, moving some things out, right? Just like when we are moving into a new home, there's some things that can't go with you mm-hmm. to the new home. There are some things you have to leave behind. It served the season. You know, that person saying that to you then, it probably didn't serve a season. Some of the things people say to you, but at the time, it, you know, it created the, the mindset you were in and you're trying to get to a new season. So you've got to create a new mindset to get there. Okay. Now, was there, um, I know you started with the D. Is there an N for the DNA? Yes. The N is to nurture. And so nurturing is so critical because, again, we got indoctrinated in some type of belief system. It became a program in our mind and those became our patterns, AKA our actions, the things that we started to do. Again, those are the, that's the meeting place, right? Your mind is the meeting place. So now you've got to nurture and nurture means that you now have to start planting new seeds, right? And some of those seeds are going to come by way of what you're listening to what you're watching. I heard this a few years ago from this guy called Justin Perry. And he said, television is telling lies to your vision. Tell lie vision. And I thought, wow, that's so, so cool because that's what it is. Whatever is you, you you need to be careful that what you bring into your being, into your mind, because again, you're creating patterns all the time, whether you believe it or not, you're creating new mindset patterns every day depending on the people you're around, and especially when you're getting ready to grow, right? When you're getting ready to go in a growth season, what do you do? You surround yourself with people that are different from you, people who have had more experience from you. That You're doing that for a reason. You're trying to get planted somewhere new. 
so you can bring different fruit in your life. And so when you're watching TV, you're being fed whatever the messaging, the broadcasting system is bringing your way. So you have to be careful in the season of nurture that you're not just bringing anything in or allowing anything in, right? Because sometimes you can't help it. You're around family and friends and, you know, people are people. You can't change them, but you have to decide before you get there or after, like, okay, I heard this person say, I don't think you should do that. Like, you're not going to be able to make any money doing that kind of stuff. Like, that's not going to work for you. You have to know in your mind, like, I know what he's about. And so I can cancel that out and say, yeah, that's that's him, right? Kind of goes back to who told you that? Mm-hmm. Who brought that that theory into your mindset to say that's the only way you can live? That's a good segue. So because I feel like with the D, if we get to the root of it and said who said it and what's what's actually true. And I think sometimes we might even have to go as deep as doing the actual research just because mm-hmm. so that you can get Absolutely. your mind together to say, well, like collect the data, collect the data yes. on people. And just using myself as an example, I being late thirties, don't have kids yet. I still yes. want to have kids, but if I'm not careful, I can allow other people to say, well, you know, you're too old. <laughs> you're too old to have kids. Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the clock is ticking. You really don't have much time left. Uh, is everything working the way that it's supposed to work? Like you hear all mm-hmm. kinds of things or you're not getting any younger. And then I think my favorite one is, mm-hmm. well, you don't have anyone right now. And so why don't you just go like try other means to wow. to have one? And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't want to do this by myself. <laughs> that I don't right. want to do. So It's like when you are kind of going against the grain of either society or what someone else has said, sometimes you just have to go and do research. Like I've purposely gone out and found people who had children late 30s to mid 40s. And I keep a list of all of the people so that I can say, well, actually it happened for them. Most certainly it can happen for me as well. I will not be some kind of strange anomaly in this world. And actually data has shown that women in their late thirties, early forties are actually starting to have children more, more so than early twenties. So it's like, I have to use that sometimes even for myself to back up the data. Yes. And to that point, the D is so, so critical, right? There's a lot of work that has to be done there because you know, I grew up in on the islands and um, the island of St. Croix, and my mother is a gardener, okay? My mother is a green thumb. She can grow a garden anywhere. Put her anywhere. You put her in Alaska. She'll <laughs> grow you a garden, okay? And so naturally, because I'm her daughter, I was in the garden with her because she always needed a hand. But I also saw how it works in gardening. And it's basic stuff, but it's life stuff too. And you know, one of the things in the garden is, you know, I look around and I see all these different, you know, my mother has, she grows every type of fruit you could, oh my gosh, everything. We had everything grown up. We were organic when we didn't even know we were organic. But there were times where you get in that garden and you got to take the weeds up. There are weeds in the garden. They come up, right? 
And, you know, with my emotional immaturity or my young mind, I didn't sometimes know what was a weed and what was a plant. And so sometimes weeds can disguise themselves to fit in with things that need to grow and nurture in your life. And that's something that we have to be uh, aware of when we do that deep work or that, that deep dive is yes, we got to get that evidence, right? Your mind wants evidence. So reading, and that's why that nurture part is so critical, but be careful that some of the, uh, the things that look like plants that are growing in your life are actually weeds. I like to call them pretty weeds because there are some beautiful weeds out there. They look like little flowers, but they're not, they're not flowers. They're weeds. Mm -hmm. But if you're not careful, you'll leave it in there and you'll be in some of the same cycles that you found yourself in, you know, early on. And again, we're all trying to go somewhere and sometimes you got to weed that garden. So take care of the garden. That's a really, really good point. And it's funny because in one of my, and one of my Facebook stories, earlier this week, I was, I was comparing plants to a relationship. I, for one, don't have a green thumb. It's brown. Man, I just, I cannot get it together. And I, I'm to the point where I'm convinced that if you buy me a plant for my birthday, you just really don't like me. And <laughs> And so one year, someone gave me an aloe vera plant for my birthday, and she took all of this time to grow this plant, and it was so pretty. And she told me how to water it, because I was like, I'm so nervous. I just, you done put all this work in, and I'm about to kill it already. <laughs> and I did well. I did well my first few months that I had it. But then as the seasons changed, I didn't realize that, all right, well, now that the seasons have changed, you actually need to change the schedule of how you're watering this plant. And because I didn't change the schedule, I now realize, oh my God, my plant is dying. So I'm calling her into panic because I'm trying to save my plant. And she was like, just throw it outside. You probably just put too much water in it. And I throw it outside and it just goes from bad to worse. Either way, I've killed the aloe vera plant that she put all this work into it. But for me, I said, well, that's a good lesson to learn is that sometimes as seasons change, we don't tend to change up our routine with it. And we just kind of expect everything to stay the same. But then to go back to your nurturing with this indoctrination and exactly what we're listening to and what we're replaying time and time again, as we make it through one, as we pull up one weed, sometimes this other pretty weed, as you call it, will pop up. And now we need to go back, change our seasons and indoctrinate ourselves with something else. Yeah. And um, the one thing about the, the nurture part too is there's externals, right? And to a certain degree, you can control it. Like I said, there's people, you might go to a party and you might hear some things, but the loudest voice you'll ever hear is your own. And so therefore your words matter. You know, I remember growing up here in Six and Stones, would break my bones, but words would never hurt me. So yes, you can see what a stick does, right? If you mm -hmm. put if you put a hit a stick on your skin, you can see the impact of that stick. If you throw a stone at somebody's leg, you can see the impact of throwing a stone at somebody's leg. But what you don't see is what that word you said over your own life, over your own person, over your own being, what that word does to you. And when you repeat it, sometimes we don't even say it we're thinking it. 
And that repetition can come from an echo out of your own mouth where you keep saying, man, that was so stupid. I can't believe I'm so stupid. And you just keep repeating that. Mm -hmm. Those are ways that you can negate that very important part of nurturing because you just spend a lot of time. It's basically your nurture is now you're putting water and sunlight on that thing because you want it to grow and you want it to bear fruit. Right. So you want and you want to have it in the right soil. You want to get the right, you know, ground for it. And that's what the nurture is, is giving it that right ground is making sure it's in the right place that to be planted. Otherwise, here we go again. You you're mm-hmm. you're putting those same weeds, right? You're planting your own garden, but you're not planting the right stuff. So your words are like seeds. Whatever you put down, they're gonna come back as flowers or they're gonna come back as weeds. So what are you saying? What are you saying about you? Because that's what you're gonna live. That's good. You can have a a positive indoctrination and you can have a negative indoctrination. It reminds me of uh, the book called The Untethered Soul, where that's essentially what he's talking about is he was like, it's not really the outside noise. It's you, you inside your own head. And he said, I guarantee you, like, you can just say hello. And inside your brain, you're going to hear someone say Hello. <laughs> yes. And he said, that's you. That's you. That is another part of you in there communicating with yourself. He said, that's the person that you need to get a hold of. It's not the rest of the people. It's that person that's sitting way in the back of your brain. He said, you answer your own questions. You talk to mm-hmm. yourself. Who do you think is talking back? It's you. Yeah, that's good. That is so, good. <laughs> so true. Like I live that life all the time. I'm, I'm constantly in self-talk mm-hmm. um, constantly because I understand what it does. I understand what it does. I've been in positions where I've made mistakes and I've allowed those mistakes to replay over and over again in my head. Um, I think one of the examples, I think we can all relate, especially when you're an overthinker, which I tend to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm grooming my, my way out of that. But I think of like an interview, you know, the early days of like, go into job interviews and you come out of the job interview and you're thinking, oh man, I should have answered that question this way. Oh, I should have said this. You know what? Why didn't I bring up that scenario? Because, you know, they always ask these scenario-based questions. Right. And then, you know, the interview's over and maybe somebody, you know, you talk to a friend or family and they're asking you how the interview was and you're talking about the interview again. And then girl, it's days later and I'm still thinking about this interview. Like, (laughs) let it go. You know what I mean? Stop mm-hmm. overthinking it. You know, you you went in, you did your piece and you're done, but we can overthink. And, and that's how some of those things get, you know, replanted if we're not careful by overthinking and going over the whole thing again, that could perpetuate the, the weeds coming back. So it is to your point, the importance of what are you, you know, what are you reading? You got to read things that help to validate where you want to go. Like you were talking about the whole thing with the kids. There are women in their X days, in their X months, in their X years that are doing this thing that everybody else believes, right? That's right. their belief system can't be done. And that is the thing that could hold, limit us and put us back into a place of limiting beliefs. Yes, this is good already. Okay, okay, okay. I don't want this to get too long because <laughs> I know I can talk to you for over an hour. Me too. I can talk forever. <laughs> Okay. So what is the A? Well, the A is action. You know, um, it is putting the work in, right? You know, you talked, you said it before, faith without works is dead. And so we need to do the works. And so the works is the the watering, the nurturing, the things like that. 
Um, but faith, but it's also celebrating things, you know, it's so interesting. Um, when I think about people, I had a friend today and she is preparing for the New York city marathon, which is so cool. And, um, so she's in her training season and I was there with her two years ago and she did it. And, uh, right now I'm in a different season to train, but, um, so she did a 13 mile today and I know it's not the 26.2, but it is progress towards that, that 26. And so I told her congratulations. And I think a lot of times when we're in this season of the A or, you know, taking intentional action, right? Taking daily action, uh, taking action, period. We tend to miss the opportunities to celebrate the milestones of our lives, which is ironic because as a mom, you know, when the babies took two steps, two step, when they took the two steps, I was <laughs> celebrating. I'm like, oh my God, my baby is walking. And so we celebrate the little two steps of the baby. And then we don't realize we're in our baby season. When you're trying to do something new, you're in a baby season. So your little two steps might not look like anything to the world, but for you, it is progress in the direction you're going towards. And so in, this, in that space of nurturing, right, getting the right things, doing the right things, you also have to act the right things out. You also have to celebrate when the right things are happening because we're so easy. The first time something goes wrong, we are ready to criticize ourselves, have a whole pity party, cry if we want to, go put baby in the corner, all of the things, right? But when we're doing the right things, we're like, ah, well, it's not showing up the way it needs to show up. It's not looking like everybody else is something. That's your baby steps. You might've taken your first step at the age of 17 months. And Mylene over here might've taken hers at the age of 26 months, but that's Mylene's baby steps. That's your baby steps. Either way, our mamas was proud. I know that. <laughs> I mama smile and laugh and, you know, we're excited about you taking those first initial steps. And so we need to make sure we do that. It's not all about the celebration, but we need to do that because we don't take time to engage ourselves in the things that we're doing when we're doing it well. We're so quick though, when we're doing things wrong and doing things out of alignment to, you know, chastise ourselves. Yeah. I always thought that was very strange how we can hone in on the negative so quick. And it's especially prevalent that I see on social media. A thousand people can give you a compliment and say, girl, you looking good today. I just love how you put the necklace with the this and the that. And it it just, it looks amazing. And then one person could come in and say, well, I think you did a little bit too much with the necklace. And that you hone in on the one comment, the one comment out of the thousand people that just said, I love your outfit. I love everything about it. You respond to the one right? to say, how could, what? What, what, what's wrong with my necklace? And now this one person has gotten you completely off kilter. They weren't even, they weren't even 10%. Right. <laughs> it wasn't even 10% of the people. Like you forgot about all these 99% right. of people that say they like your outfit and concentrating on the one. So it's almost like we're kind of in this mindset that we have to be liked or valued by everyone. Yes. And maybe that's necessarily not the, well, not maybe, but that's, that's not the case. Just like every product that a person creates, it's not for everyone. It's for the people that, that need it. It's not for, like, there's nothing that we do that's for everybody. Right. That's right. 
yeah, I think in the culture, we, we do get wrapped up in, in what others have to say. And that's why your foundation, right? That nurture piece is so critical. Like they're all critical pieces, you know, getting to do the work at the beginning, uh, nurturing, getting that right foundation, and then doing the, the, the daily action steps. Um, because like you said, those things can come back up. And so you have to be ready to say, oh, that, that doesn't fit with where I need to go. So I'm going to remove that and keep adding in, keep doing the work to add in the things. So our ability to know ourselves comes in very critical there. And that's why one of the things is I have a podcast. And so on the podcast, I talk about mindset fusion topics. I say fusion because it brings in self-care, which is a big piece of what you're just leaning into here and soul care, which is the other side of us, right? That part of us that uh, needs that spiritual healing and help. Um, and of course, you know, the daily mindset awareness, the things that we're around, the people we're around, the things we're doing, the things we're listening to on a day-to-day basis, all that aggregates into who I am and who I am becoming. Cause we are not just human beings, we're human becoming, right? Every single yes. day, every season, we're becoming this new being um, that we are. So that piece is, is so critical. And I was thinking the other day too, I was like, you know what? You see so many people do like these amazing proposals. Like I'm proposing to my girlfriend, I, I, you know, over the years, prom proposals. I remember when I went to the prom, it was like this awkward moment of being asked <laughs> to the prom. And I didn't know if I wanted, you know, that type of thing. Now proposals are like, it's prom proposals now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I thought proposals were safe for marriage, but there's proposals. But my point to that is we we do all this thing to to invite someone else into our world. We do all these things to let someone know how much we care and how much we love them and we value them. And we do these elaborate things that I'm not knocking it. Don't get me wrong. But we don't propose to ourselves that way. We don't come to ourselves in a way to propose to say yes to me, yes to my things, yes to me wanting to pursue this, even though somebody said no. And so when you start in a way proposing to yourself, I know that might sound weird to people, but this whole mindset thing, if you, you got to think about it, there's different ways to, to flex on it and think about it. And I think self-care is a big piece of it. And that was a piece of it that helped me, um, especially as a mom and having kids and a husband, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in what everybody else needs and I can't serve them you know, as you hear people say, can't pour from an empty cup. If you Mm -hmm. start serving everybody, everything else, what do you have left for yourself? So I make sure that I do as much as I can so that I'm whole. And also that helps me stay confident in who I am so that those words, those things that people say don't, you know, permeate into my being so I can be the best version of myself for the people that I love, the people that I'm around and for myself too. So for, I guess, reprogramming, if you will, mm-hmm. for those who may feel guilty, especially for for moms who may feel guilty or wives that feel guilty about self-care or leaving the home for a day or a weekend for a girl's trip or whatever, how can they go about, how do you start the process of reprogramming or changing your mindset? to say, no, I shouldn't feel guilty or selfish about this at all, because this is actually something that will be good, not only for me, but for the family as well. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because when it comes to, for example, I I look at technology and how we've 
you know, we've had to embrace it because it's part of our culture. It's part of how we stay connected. But there is a point with that device, right, where it needs to power down. You have to put it on the charger, right? And if you don't put it on the charger, then it's not going to be working as designed (laughs) because the intent behind it is for it to help you stay connected. It is to help you reach out. It is help to help you be productive depending on what you do with it. And that's, it's easy for us to recognize that a phone needs that, but it's difficult for us to recognize that we need that power down. We need to go get charged up. Because when I'm charged up, then I could do everything. I could do all the things and I can even do extra. But if I'm powered down and I'm trying to do with little, do little, do a lot with little, I'm not going to get as far as I could if I give myself space and grace to become better, to bring better to my family. And I know that's difficult because I've been there. I remember when I wanted to start running, I, I, I'm one of these people that I had a heart for running, but my mind wasn't there yet. Like the heart and mind were like in two different worlds. The heart's like, you can run, you're a runner. But my mind was like, no, no, you're not. Like, look at you, you know? And I committed it to myself because I knew that I wanted to do something. I wasn't healthy. I didn't feel healthy. I didn't look healthy. And everybody knows you look and how you, you act, how you look. (laughs) And so it was, you know, it was not who I wanted to be. And again, these are my, I'm the role model for these two little girls right here. So whatever they see becomes reality. So if your kids see that you run on E, they, they don't think running on E is cool. You know, it might not, you know, it's not cool, but they don't know that because mommy is the champion. Mommy is the, you know, whatever. And so for me, when I started that journey, I took the girls with me. I had them on their scooters. I had them on their bikes. And I, we started running the neighborhood and it just developed from there. But, you know, and then I, you know, I'm still on this run journey and I I love it. That's, that's essentially what's important is knowing that you have to power down because it's easy to power everything down. I mean, even the kids, why do you, why do, why do you, why do you put your babies to bed? Why? Because they need to rest so they can power down so they can get up for school tomorrow so they can be attentive at school tomorrow so that they can mm-hmm. um, contribute, right? You put them to rest so that they can power down and be better. And so you have the same goes to you. It, it, it really is as simple as watching your babies rest and knowing that their mom needs to rest too to get to that next level. It's funny that you brought that up. <laughs> I guess it's the way my mind works. But the when you brought up um, kids and putting them to bed, I thought about that midday nap too. Like there's a certain point where they just get to acting real crazy and you're like, okay, it's time for you to have a nap because I don't know what you're doing, but it's Mm -hmm. it's time for you to go to bed. And then I thought about a computer, like a computer just starts glitching all over the place. And you're like, okay, I don't know what this is doing. Let me just restart it. (laughs) Right. Let me just restart it and, uh, and see if that helps. And it's like, that's the same thing with the kids and the naps. Let me restart it. Yes. Don't wake up in an hour. And we're going to try this again to see if you're not acting as crazy as you just were. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's so easy to power it on the computer. You know, it's not working right. Right. The phone is dying at the end of the day or whatever. It's so easy to say, oh, let me just put it on charger. But when it's like, let me go 
do a manicure or pedicure. Let me go take a girl's trip, like you said, or whatever. That's hard to do, but it's like, you need that. Just like all those other sources need to be unplugged. You need to be unplugged as mm-hmm. well. So maybe that's something that we'll have to, let's see, where would we put that? Um, I don't know. Maybe in nurture, like have a list of what our, our glitches are. So then yeah. that way when we start to glitch, like, you know, you just snapped on them for no reason at all. Go ahead, take a little nap. <laughs> so, right. you, so you can restart and try this again. In an hour. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So something else that came to mind about mindset, especially Mm -hmm. because you said you target women that are kind of addicted to achievement. Yes. So with that, what about those that often feel like, because I know this, this was me for a long time, that I felt that I had to do it by myself. I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to bring anyone else in for help. Even if people ask for help, oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. But refusing the help, knowing that if we got that help, we would get there so much sooner, quicker, faster. But because we don't want to admit that we need the help, that we have to do it all on our own, how do we shift our mindset into actually start accepting help that's offered to us so that we can get the things that we need to get done quicker even with delegation in households i know sometimes we don't do that either to say well i need help can you do this can you can you do that yeah that's a good one and at the root of that if you go back to the root of that it really is you're afraid to fail you're afraid to be found out you know what i mean so you try to work in a silo you you try to work alone so that if it doesn't work out ain't nobody got to know nobody has to see I can do a private failure and just keep on going. And I, I see that too in households where, you know, sometimes moms want to be super women. They want to do it all. And listen, I know we've heard it. I mean, it's a mindset mm-hmm. thing, but you're supposed to be super woman. You're supposed to do it all. Run the household, run this business, run the, everything. The reality is you do need to delegate. You do need to delegate because otherwise you see it as if I don't run the household, then I'm failing as a mom. Then there's the whole mom shame thing. Then there, you know, there these all these discussions around what you're supposed to do. So it really just comes down to looking at because I struggled with that too, and sometimes I still kind of do, right? And some of it is afraid to fail, but a lot of it is the mindset shift of stop worrying about being afraid to fail. Be more focused on what am I going to learn here? Because we spend so much time and I, I spend a lot of time focusing on, I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. But it's like, go out and do and learn and get better. And then go out and do and learn and get better. And then go out and do and learn and get better. And then eventually you'll be confident enough to say, you know what? I need help. And if you fail in that environment, you know, you're fine. You know, that it's not, you're not going to, shrivel up and die Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not going to lose your your path or your purpose you're just going to learn something that you can apply and then go do again and then apply so that has been my experience kind of getting out of digging myself out of the hole of you can do it alone you don't need anyone or i can do it i can figure it out what i figured out is when what i learned is i can i can use the help it's okay if i fail because it's not fatal for me to fail. 
Right. And I just heard a term recently, fail forward. Yes. And I was like, oh, that's good. Fail forward. Because we do have this massive negative connotation around failing. But if we never failed, there would be no way that we could get to even a different product, a better service, a better this. You need those negative reviews because they tell you where you can improve. Like they tell you where your where your shortfalls lie. So it's kind of like we still need to go back and again, change our mindset because failure is not a bad thing. And who's to say that it had to be considered failure in the first place? Even in school, we learned that we have to do a rough draft before we do the final. We do the rough draft, we cross it out, someone proofread it, they give it back and we say, oh, oh, okay, let me let me change this around, check it again, this might be the second draft. <laughs> and then right. after that, we finally put out our final draft for this essay it was that we were writing, but it's so crazy because it's like, once we try to go out and do things on our own, for whatever reason, we expect that we're supposed to do all these things in perfection and we don't even have the experience anyway for that. Yeah. And, you know, that, that takes me back to your beginnings, digging deep to find a root of why do you believe failure was, it is fatal for some people, they can't fail. They cannot afford to fail where some people I've heard them say, I tell my kids, I heard this, I was listening to this podcast and this guy said that his true depiction of success in the week is that he failed at something because that means he learned something. And so as you say, fail, fail forward, there's also fail fast because if you wait till it's perfect, mm-hmm. <laughs> also, you know, recovering perfectionist, if you wait until it's perfect, that means you're not failing fast, which means you're not learning fast. And if you're not learning fast, you're not able to apply that lesson to go to that destination, to go to that product, to go to whatever you're trying to put out and produce to the world. So that is so important. And it, but it has to go back to where did you learn that? So I'm thinking, I'm hearing this guy talk about this and I'm like, he has two kids. How powerful is it for two young kids to hear their father say to them, what did you fail at this week? Oh, great. Let's talk about it. That was not a normal conversation in my house or for many people, a conversation to say, you failed? Let's talk about it. It was like, why did you fail? How did you fail? When did you fail? It was all these disempowering questions instead of, well, tell me how you studied. Tell me how you... You know, did you understand what was going on in the classroom? What did you understand in the classroom? It wasn't that conversation. It was like, how, why, you need to not do that again. That's not acceptable here. The end. That is not a mindset journey that's going to get you to see something differently. And so that's the, these are the the things that I talk about. These are the things that, that really, that I'm inspired by just everyday things, things that we've learned and really things we need to unlearn. Let's go there, right? Um, I think a lot of us in in 2020 kind of got into the spirit of unlearning. And we had to unlearn a lot of things that we once thought were the design. Like we were just all handed out blueprints and we were grabbing them and going and realizing that, wait a minute, that's not the the blueprint design that I want to live by. So I got to take some things out. It's like that house, right? You see a room, you go to a house and you maybe want to redesign it because it doesn't fit your aesthetic. It doesn't fit your appeal. It doesn't fit what you want to do. So you got to take, you know, break some walls down and 
So that we do a lot of that. And that's, that's that mindset work. Remember that room in your mind. Right. And so just think about all the various things that you're managing. They got, they got so many rooms up there and you Mm. just have to make sure you continue to pull things out of it, especially when that season has expired because you no longer need it in that season. And and going back to your plant analogy or your story, your unfortunate story, (laughs) um, sometimes you have to understand what that season needs because it may not need water, like in your case, it may need something else. Mm-hmm. And you have to be attentive. That's where that you know mindset awareness comes into. Yeah, that's really good because something else that I was thinking about is even pertaining to school. Because I was like, well, where would it start? But school is the first place. School is the first place that it starts. And depending on what kind of parents you had, nothing was acceptable outside of an A and B. And so in your mind, a C is utter destruction (laughs) until you get to college or medical school even, because we often make the joke, like if I go to the hospital and this doctor says, all right, well, I need to perform surgery on you. I'm not about to stop and say, well, first of all, wait a second, uh, what kind of grades did you make while you were in medical school? Did you get a C? Because if you did, then I, I need the doctor that got the A and the B. Well, do they both have a degree? Mm-hmm. They're both doctors, right? Right. Okay, so the job is done. <laughs> and it took me a very long time to get to that point, even as I was going through schooling. Like, girl, just get it done. You're spending all of this extra time all of these extra hours, hey, that's great. But if it's if it's not coming to you as easy as it's coming to somebody else and you know that you put the work in, be happy. Be happy yeah. with the passing grade so that you can move on and then apply what apply what you've learned. Because as we've seen too, in some cases, just because the person got the A and the B didn't necessarily mean that they knew how to apply it to make it work Hello. for them. Hello. <laughs> yeah, so interesting because that's that as a parent. And so because I know all of this, how critical, like you said, it starts in the home. And because I know this and because I'm raising kids who are still in school, college, high school, I understand that what I say to them could impact how they see, you know, success, how they mm-hmm. define success and how they redefine really success and redefine failure. And one of the things I say to my daughters is, if they get a bad grade, we don't go, I don't go off like what probably happened to me, but I always had good grades. Cause again, that whole chasing achievement, right? Mm-hmm. I started doing that at a young age, getting all those certificates. But what I tell them is let me, I said, I can tell you what I know I saw you do. I can tell you what I know I saw you do. I saw you study differently than you did the last time. The last time you put in these hours, the last time you put in this effort, I didn't really see that this time, but I want to hear what you did. I want to see what you, because basically you believed your way into that grade. You, you acted your way into that grade. So whatever you did determined the outcome of that grade. And to your point, there are people who are not going to be an A student, but if I know that you have A in you, and you're acting like a B behavior. That's how I used to say. I said, you you did B behavior. You did C behavior. Mm-hmm. But I know you're an A student, but you're acting like a B student. So I need you to act your your grade, right? Yeah. Act your grade. And so 
And if that person was a C student, it's like, okay, act your grade. Don't get a D. You can do better than that. But it wasn't harping on the grade more than it's like the behavior that led to that grade. Yeah, you meet the people for for where they are and then you allow them to go back and self-reflect so that they can make their own alteration. Again, going back to that thing where you know, you inherently know already, but you just have to go back and do the self-reflection or the journaling if you journal. <laughs> Yes, and and read read about it. Read read what your own thoughts were back mm-hmm. then, once upon a time. Because even I'm amazed at the things that I wrote, maybe ten years ago, and where my thought process was, and the things that I was thinking versus where I am today. Because over time, like you were saying earlier, about you have to celebrate the small things, and sometimes we don't. We're so busy achieving that we don't even stop to recognize that, girl, you just did that. You just did that. And, and automatically you're now onto the next one. And you didn't even take the moment to bask in this victory that you had to say, I'm, I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Yes, absolutely. That is good. So, you know, I try to keep these to an hour. So, but I think this has been an awesome conversation regarding mindset. And I love the DNA that you gave in which you said that we have really got to find the root of of where it came from, what's true that we've got to nurture, be careful about what we're watching, what we're listening to. And then after that, we actually just have to go out there and take action and then celebrate those small things so that we can continue to move forward in those things that we want to do. Mylene, I've got one last question for you. And that is, if you had to say something to your sister, and she can be older or younger, about mindset, what would that be? Ooh, that's a big one. (laughs) About mindset. What you think you become. What you think you become. Yeah. Your thoughts, your thoughts become things. And I remember saying that a few years ago and people were looking at me like I had nine heads. Thoughts become (laughs) things. Yes, because your thoughts are inspired by your words and that then turns into action. And again, that mind is where the action, right? That's that meeting room for your actions. So your thoughts become things. So you have to guard your thoughts. You have to manage your thoughts. And gosh, I wish I could go and tell the younger version of me that today I tell the person that I want to be in the future that, but um, that's absolutely the thing I would say. That's awesome. As a man thinketh, so is he. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Molly, thank you so much for coming by A Letter to My Sister podcast. This has been a fantastic discussion today. Well, you are welcome. I love this letter to my sister. I just really appreciate being here and getting a chance to, you know, talk about mindset. It's such a critical piece. So anytime I can talk about it, I love it. (laughs) It is. Thank you so much. For me, the most powerful part about what Mylene said was your mind is the meeting room for your actions. Can you imagine your mind is the meeting room for your actions. It's one of the last things that we think about as far as our mindset, but it really needs to be the first thing 
because that is then what determines everything else. Like I said earlier, girl. Okay, so anyway, okay. So let me read Mylene's bio to you so that you know why I bought her here to talk to us in the first place. Mylene Noir is a wife, mother, runner, and a mindset coach. Her mission is to help women break their addiction to achievement so they can live a life of fulfillment. She believes the most significant work you will do is on yourself and the most critical place to start that work is with mindset. Mylene is also the host of the weekly podcast, Your Enriched Self. On the show, she engages the audience in mindset fusion topics not limited to self-care, soul care, intentional thinking, and mindset awareness. As a podcaster, Mylene is bringing her enriched way of living to help her listeners come into alignment with the best version of themselves. Her message is to not let your vision for tomorrow be limited by your mindset today. You can find the Your Enriched Self podcast on all major platforms, Apple, Spotify, Audible, all those wonderful things. And if you want to catch her on social media, you can find her hanging out in these Instagram streets at my enriched self. And of course, per usual, I will have all of that for you in the show notes. So sis, I hope you had a lot that you could glean from today's conversation. And we are already in the month of Thanksgiving anyway. Hello. So I hope that you have been able to take away some key points so that you can flip your mind, switch your thinking, and let that be the first thing that you focus on rather than the last thing. All right, sis. So there is no one like you. There is no one out here that can do the things that you do. So show up, let your light shine bright, and never dim it for anyone. Until next time, bye.